The longer this goes on, the more we can create suffering around it. But it's also true that the longer this goes on, the more gifts there can be. Hello, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to this episode of the Deep South Dharma Podcast. This episode is being released Sunday, April 12th, 2020. The title of my brief talk this morning is The Retreat Goes On. I'm hoping that by sharing just a little bit of my, not insignificant, but fairly, fairly uh, limited, fairly beginner to intermediate experience of retreat can help orient you as this sort of enforced retreat is going on for us during the pandemic. And I don't just mean for those of us at home. This also applies even for those of us that are having a lot of work meditation in our retreat space right now. The only announcement I'll make this time is that if you would like to ask a question or suggest topics or just let me know things that you may be needing to hear discussed um, on this podcast, that you can let me know by going to anchor.fm slash deep south dharma and leaving me a voicemail. You know, I, whether it's um, my own talks or or others' talks, very often my favorite part of a talk is um, the Q&A. And so uh, I want to be sure that I am meeting your needs and um, and it can be really helpful to get a sense of, of what people are needing at this time or what you, what you feel you may need. So just want to put out that invitation to you, I think. Otherwise, any other announcements you can find at our website, deepsouthdharma.org, and we'll move on to our topic. No matter what is going on in the world, whether times are deemed to be times of health and prosperity for many or times of crisis, the Buddha's Four Noble Truths still stand. That there is this experience of suffering, that the root of that suffering The cause of that suffering is our clinging to self, to self-centeredness, to self-identification. That there is the possibility of freedom from suffering. And that there is a path, a, a practice, a program, if so to speak, that leads to that freedom. So it's not about the experience itself. 
But living in a time of societal limbo is a particular type of experience. And I don't, I don't want to cover over the suffering of that with a shallow layer of positivity. In reality, the longer this goes on, the more we can create suffering around it. But it's also true that the longer this goes on, the more gifts there can be if we stay awake to, if we are conscious of our experience. Now, some of us during this time of pandemic will need to be in survival mode. That's just the truth. And that's fine. And we can be aware of that. We can acknowledge, I just have to be in survival mode right now. And even that gives you some space of awareness that can help you keep your humanity in the midst of this. To know, you know, I am in this human form where this concern for survival sort of takes over. I may not have lots of time for contemplation, may not have much time for meditating in in any formal way, but we can be aware of the state we're in. And that leaves us that little bit of space to remember that other people, other beings also want to protect their own life. And it can help us make decisions and create solutions that include what's good for everyone rather than being so self-identified. But if we're not having to be in survival mode, some of us may find ourselves at about this time sort of itching to be part of the action, as one person said to me, Um, almost feeling One person said to me, you know, almost feeling jealous of people who are, who sort of have to be out there um, putting themselves at risk right now. The people working in ICUs and grocery stores and delivery, all these people that are having to go out day after day into a situation that is dangerous. Um, This person was sort of in some ways, you know, just craving for the excitement of that. So there was a, there was a aspect of craving for the excitement of that. And then also a sort of craving for some, a sense of significance, right? And those sort of go to our, the basic types of craving that keep suffering going, right? Our craving for stimulation, our craving to be something other than we are, to be something special, to be something, um, in particular, that that our mind deems a good thing to be. And the third type of craving uh, we've mentioned on this podcast many times before, that, that third type of craving, the craving not to be, that can include sort of that craving for oblivion. So... But if we're at the place where right now what we're craving is not necessarily oblivion, oblivion is pretty easy to find right now, right? It's easy to get lost in television or social media. If we're not out there working um, or not working much from home, we're able to sleep a lot, um, that kind of thing. 
But if that's not the case, and what you're itching for is to be a part of the action and you're sort of dealing with that bit of tension, I thought it might be useful to speak briefly about the experience of retreat. Um, Even those of us working are on retreat. Um, It's just that our retreat has a heavy dose of work meditation in the schedule. And, you know, I said in the intro that, you know, I sort of have a beginner to intermediate experience of retreat. Um, You know, I've been on retreat. uh, I can't, I was thinking either since 2011, 2012, um, at least twice a year, um, sometimes a four-day retreat, you know, like a long weekend, um, sometimes a seven-day retreat. So the reason I say beginner to inter- intermediate, you know, I haven't done a month-long retreat, a several-month-long retreat um, in, in, in terms of going somewhere, paying somebody to let me stay there and retreat for months at a time. Right. So so on paper, perhaps that's I would look like beginner to intermediate. I have had experiences of living in such a way for months at a time. During one period, it was about a year and a half where my life really consisted pretty heavily of I would go to work. I did a lot of meditation. I was doing a lot of study. Um um, Dharma study, and that really was most of what I was doing for a period of time. It was a really powerful period of healing and learning. And so in that respect, I do have some experience of uh, a, a sense of longer retreat. It's just that there was no one outside of me sort of uh, encouraging or enforcing that, I guess you'd say. But something that I thought might be useful to mention to you this week is that even on a short retreat, that's just say four days, there is this experience that can occur kind of a, these stages that we sort of go through where when you first arrive on retreat, maybe there's just the relief of the change of scenery, the relief of a a bit of a relief of disruption, you know, just sort of just for something different to be happening than our day-to-day lives. And um, so for some people, there may have been an initial sense of, oh, you know, stay home, that should be easy. And um, people, you know, kind of settle in with their books or their remotes or whatever, thinking, okay, you know, this won't be too bad. Uh, But after some initial time of, you know, getting some extra rest and that sort of thing, once the body has sort of recovered, because most of us live in a state of being overtired. So for many people, the first week or two might have felt a little bit like spring break. In fact, for many people, it literally was spring break. But once the body has rested up, there may be this tension that begins to gather Um, You know, I know on retreat, even in the short retreat, after the initial settling in, relaxing, maybe that first really good night's sleep and just kind of settling into the rhythm, initial relaxation, and then almost immediately the building of tension 
the building of tension of following a schedule, following suggestions that do not issue from my own impulses, right? And so on retreat, it might be just the fact that um, we're sort of having a schedule about when we go to the meditation hall or not. In our life today, it may be the fact that we don't just run out to the store whenever we want. We're not necessarily on a schedule with that, but we're having to be so mindful of, okay, do I really need groceries right now? And if I do, what would be the safest place to go? What do I need to wear? How do I, uh, you know, do I put my hair up? If you have long hair, put my hair up so that it's, it doesn't, ca- you know, catches fewer particles of air. You know, all of just all the, all the minutia of things that we have to think about sort of uh, brings us into this realization of how mindless we typically are um, in running out and running errands, dropping in on friends whenever we feel like it, that kind of thing. And on retreat, there is that sense of encountering our impulses, those habitual energies that want to just do, you know, those those habit energies that take on a life of their own in our lives. Well, they don't suddenly just stop running just because we're on retreat. Those, those programs still want to run and um, those programs still want to operate is what I mean. I don't mean run away, but I mean they still want to operate. And there's this bit of tension that we experience, but if we stay with the retreat experience, stay with our experience, knowing that that's normal, then there can be this period of breakthrough. You know, on a four-day retreat, it might take till the evening of the third day. Um, Or... For some people, it it may be sooner than that. Uh, But whenever it happens, there is sort of this breakthrough into a deeper sense of relaxation, a deeper sense of being able to let go of those habit energies, to let go of that wish to do whatever I feel like doing. And you know, I experienced that earlier this week, sort of one of those things where I just sort of became aware uh, of of tension. And my life is really not as limited as some people's. You know, I'm able because I work from home, I'm able to work from home. Um, I, for a long time now, have been helping to take care of a granddaughter a couple of days a week. And so between our two houses, we're all mixing germs and stuff all the time anyway. And so in that respect, you know, I sort of pendulate between my home where I work, I meditate, I take care of my house, I read, I listen to Dharma talks, listen to news, that kind of thing. And then um, my daughter's house where, you know, it's playing with the baby, being, you know, being outdoors a lot more over there. Um, you know, just everything kind of has its little schedule over the course of a week. And there's a nice pattern to the days and there's a nice, but again, it has that retreat feeling of, uh, especially when you're dealing with a 20 month old, that's very much like a retreat schedule. 
there things happen at a particular time if you know what's good for you. <laughs> and it, and um, so it's a really beautiful practice and at the same time really can, uh, as part of that beautiful practice, make me aware of those impulses to do what I feel like doing when I want to do it. And I, and there is something about noticing that though, that aids the breakthrough. And that's why I'm mentioning it to you that becoming aware of that tension building and recognizing, Oh yeah, it's just that retreat feeling that's happening. Um, it's not that anything's wrong. Uh, it really does does or did, you know, seem to help with sort of shifting through that and, and downshifting even more so that there is more ease in living this way at this time. Now, as this continues, the longer this goes on, there will be deeper levels of that deeper levels of other habit energies coming up. And, and when we can stay aware of those, then even more profound levels of breakthrough where we can settle into the rhythm of things and be with things as they are and not be so attached to what I would rather be doing right now. And because we don't know how long this is going to be going on, really, really valuable to, to practice with that in mind of, I'm just going to stay with my experience to stay aware of, you know, the tension of craving as it comes up, observing that, knowing that it doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. It just means this is this is just part of this process of this sort of mandatory retreat that's happening. One of the reasons that it's so important, besides the the fact that it can help relieve our immediate experience of suffering, you know, it doesn't necessarily it doesn't change our circumstances, but it can help us have a frame for what we're experiencing um, that is perhaps more beneficial. Life right now is asking of us to do life in a different way than we normally do it. And so can we approach that as a retreat? Some of us have short periods of work meditation. Some of us, our work meditation is doing things around the house or homeschooling our children who are home or, uh, going to the grocery store every so often. Others of us have have big chunks of work meditation going on, uh, whether it's working at hospitals or grocery stores or extra hours, wherever you happen to work. But in all of it, being aware that this period of time isn't permanent, and yet... What's valuable right now is staying with this period of time and noticing what's happening. You can really turn this into a retreat for yourself in which you begin to find confidence in your ability 
to deal with whatever. Um, we don't know how long this will last, but if we don't build that confidence, we start to spend a lot of time being scared about how long is this going to last? I don't know if I can handle it. Well, if you try to sit here right now and handle how you're going to feel in a month or three months from now, no, you're not going to be able to handle it. But if you stay right where you are right now, noticing what's occurring, allowing yourself to enjoy what there is to be enjoyed, whether that is the occasional kindness of other people at, in whatever ways that shows up in your life right now, seeing how the natural world just continues on with spring as if there were not a pandemic going on <laughs> can be sort of um, inspiring and, uh, and humbling at the same time. So enjoying what there is to be enjoyed even as we have work to do, allows us to develop that confidence in our ability to, to face what we need to face, maintaining our humanity. And in general, allows us to find to find out for ourselves, to find out for ourselves, not just as an intellectual idea that the four noble truths are true, but to allow us this, we can deliberately use this time to find out for ourselves through our own direct experience that these four noble truths are true. That yes, there is suffering. Yes, there is tension that is created when circumstances don't match up with what we think we want. Yes, that is created by that sense of clinging to our identification with our cravings. And if we deliberately practice with this, we're going to have moments where we experience that third noble truth. We may not wake up and experience, you know, once and for all the great enlightenment where we, you know, where we're freed completely and permanently, but in a given moment, you can have a moment of cessation of suffering. The release of that clinging to your various cravings, a moment where you're not obsessed with past or future and who's to blame and all of that, but just a moment where you are with yourself right now, noticing that right this second, it's okay. And you start to gain some real confidence in that way. And you start to notice, you know, in that fourth noble truth, you start to notice, oh, there are some aspects of the path that I am practicing that is allowing me to experience that cessation. Let me see what are the things that I'm doing that that allow me to have these momentary experiences of cessation of suffering and you know what what aspects of the path can I continue what aspects of sort of um, my own daily practices may I want to add to or increase or balance out with other practices so that I experience more of that 
And, you know, for my friends who do have that itch to be part of the action, I just want to remind you that when you are devoted to the cessation of suffering in yourself, in your own internal bodily energetic system, you are doing a world of good for everyone else. And this is as valuable a way to be part of the action that you will likely never see on the news. But that doesn't mean just because you don't see it mirrored in our mainstream culture doesn't mean it's not real. Let's just give ourselves a minute to let that settle. just a reminder that by design, this podcast is not run off of commercial support. If you would like to be a sponsor of our podcast, you can do so by visiting anchor.fm slash deep south dharma and follow the instructions there. And if you're in the Oxford, Mississippi, North Mississippi area, please know you are always welcome to join us at the Oxford Practice Group on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time. Information about that is at deepsouthdharma.org. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, Feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.